I'm going to start by reading a, a couple portions of Scripture, and uh, and then we'll go from there. I'm going to start in John, if you want to turn with me to the book of John, chapter 1. Uh, talking about the subject of I, our identity. Who are we? It's a big subject. It's pretty much everything. It's pretty much everything. Who we are is really everything. I mean, you know, when you don't know who you are, you're sort of lost. There's so many lost. There's so many who don't know who they are. And... Um, Here we go. John chapter 1, I'm going to just start in verse 10, even though the whole, you just can't, John 1 does not get old. Do you know what I'm talking about? Man, because it's about Jesus. All right, here we go. He, Jesus, was in the world, and the world was created through him. Powerful, right? The world was created through Christ. Yet the world did not recognize him. He came to his very own. And his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, he gave them the right to be children of God. To those who believe in his name. Who were born, not of blood, or of the will of the flesh, or of the will of man, but of God. (laughs) there's so much there let's just read it again he Jesus was in the world and the world was created through him yet the world did not recognize him he came to his own his own people that he made he came they didn't recognize him and his own people didn't receive him but to all who did receive him he gave them the right to be children of God that word right is exousia, which is, it's the authority. That's powerful, isn't it? I, I didn't realize that that word was actually the word that's used for authority. He gave them the authority to be children of God. <laughs> you know what's amazing about authority? It can only be given. You can't take it. You can take power. There can be power struggles, but authority cannot be taken. Authority must be given, and it must be given by someone who has authority in the first place. And that's why Jesus said, all authority has been given to me in heaven and in earth, and so now I send you. And so authority, right? So we have the original, only begotten of the Father, Jesus Christ. Who said, okay, first, first one, begotten of God, right? The Son, Jesus. And he says, all authority was given to me. How, how much? All of it. All authority that there is, all authority that exists in the universe. And if there's anything beyond it, beyond that, in all of heaven and in all of earth, all authority was given To me, Christ. And then he says, and so now I send you. Do you know what that means? When you're sent by one in authority, you walk in the authority that they sent you with. 
that's for another day. But a key to walking in authority is to first be one who is under authority. Hey, God. Keep moving. So he gave him the right to be called what? Children. Children of God. We're God's kids. <laughs> We're God's kids. Isn't that amazing? To those who believe in his name, who are born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. So this is powerful. He's, he's just making it so clear, right? Like, you weren't born of the flesh, right? You weren't born of blood, and then it was no man's will. When, when, you, when you became a child of God, it actually was not of your own will. You know when people when people say like, oh I found the Lord or like like the Lord you the Lord was not lost. He found you. The whole analogy, no sheep was like, man, I went out and got that shepherd and brought him right back. You know, like <laughs> that's never happened. You know, well that I know of. And um and and so you know the first point I just want to make about who are we? Who are we in our identity? Is that we were born and we were born of a father. See, God reveals himself in Jesus. First of all, the only person who can reveal God is God. How many know that? What we know of God can only be unfolded to us by God himself. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that amazing? You cannot build a tower. Somebody tried that. You can't get up there and inspect God and figure him out for yourself and decide then if you want to follow him. Like, you can't, you can't, even, you know, it's amazing. Even this book, this, the, the, the word of God, we call it the word of God, the Bible. All scriptures God breathed. But you know, it's amazing. Even this book. Without the revelation that comes from the Holy Spirit, there's a veil over your eyes. And, you know, scholars, the smartest people in the world, read through this book like skeptics and often are just confirmed in their skepticism because of the blindness that's over their eyes. Because God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. In other words, the only way to know God is that he would reveal himself to us. It's powerful. And so, the fact that he has revealed himself to us is a radical display of his nature in itself. Think about it. The fact that the God of the universe, who made everything, who needed nothing. You realize that, right? You realize that God was never lonely? God didn't need people to fill a hole in his heart? He wasn't like, oh, I'm just, I wish I had someone to love me. God was so fulfilled in his love for himself. He didn't need anyone. He had, it talks about how the son was delighting in the father. The father was delighting in the son. Do you imagine this? God is so complete in and of himself that he needed nothing. But that because he's love, he creates a people. And then in his love reveals himself to the people. And when he reveals himself to mankind... He does it 
as a father. Isn't that amazing? And even all the way back at the patriarchs and the way God, along the story, which we're not going to get into that history, but, but like, you know, even with Abraham, God was approaching Abraham and he, was, and he wasn't coming and saying like, do what I say, Abraham, or lightning's going to hit you. Like, because, you know, God could reveal himself that way if that was his nature. But he kept saying things to Abraham like, he kept proving his faithfulness to Abraham and, and, and giving him promises and, and fulfilling his promises. And, and he'd come alongside Abraham and he would say things like, Abraham, I'm a shield to you. Think about our God. He's so loving. And I was thinking about, because what we're talking about today is that your identity in the very beginning Do you realize that you can't earn your identity? You can't give it to yourself. You cannot decide who you're going to be, right? How many chose your height? Right? How many chose your eye color? How many chose one single thing? Life was a gift, right? God decided who you would be. He gave you your life. He shaped you the way he did. And then, you know... We get to partner with him in that as we go along. But, but, uh, but, but he, he gives us our identity. In other words, your identity is something originally that you were born into. Think about the family, the family unit. Where I was thinking about this and how God has designed just even babies. Think about babies. That when a baby is born by God's design... That child is born unable to contribute anything except for cuteness and other contributions that require our attention. And, um, <laughs> and, uh, and it's amazing that life is celebrated before we can do anything. God's designed it this way. Think about it. God has designed it so that when you are born for an entire first part of your life, you know, you can't you can't mow the lawn. You can't take out the trash. You can't wash the dishes. You can't do anything to contribute. Actually, on the other end of it, you become like a responsibility to the family that you're born into. And so you begin your life. Helpless, unable to contribute, and yet, in a healthy family, you are loved and you are celebrated. So that, by God's design, you will understand that you were first loved before you could do. (laughs) It's powerful. So that your identity as one who is loved isn't based in what you could provide or what you could do. And you know how many of us do that, right? And we even do it in the church. It's like, it's like, you know, let me at it. You know, let me at this ministry or let me at this thing over here because look, I can prophesy. I can like, you know, like I can do all this stuff, you know? And it's like, I know, I know, I know it's easy. Like, you know, I, you know, you know, I've been, you know, eight years at a serving in a school of ministry and 
People come because they want to see the supernatural power of God moving in their life. And what I used to tell people in interviews is, if that was the only thing, I know, you know, a lot of people come because they want to see signs and wonders. They want to learn. They want to grow in their prophetic gift. They want to experience. And I'm like, that's awesome. And it's a great reason to come. And God is so faithful. We see a lot of it. And not only at that school, it's everywhere. That's just the kingdom. Right? But I would tell them that if that was the only thing that you were coming to receive, you could just come for a week and go home. Because it happens so quick. <laughs> because you don't do it. God does. Right? And, and, you know, I, and, and sometimes we even try to get our identity out of the things that we've done. Well, you know, how many people have led to the Lord? Or, yeah, how many people have, have been healed? Give testimonies because God deserves the glory. On the other hand, I think sometimes we're like, I'm going to be humble and not give the testimony. I'm like, well, that's too far because God deserves glory for what he did. Who, it's not up to you. It's not your work. So it's not up to you either to boast or to hide, but to humbly present what God has done and let him be glorified in it. And it doesn't make you a better Christian. It doesn't make you more loved. It doesn't earn you any brownie points. But yay God, because that means the day that I just can't wake up on a Friday and it's a day off. And I'm like, man, I'm white, you know, and I'm just kind of like, oh, I'm just going to like be around the house today. I'm taking a day off. That means on that day, I am no less loved than the day that I'm in Mexico with a whole bunch of people preaching the gospel, evangelizing on the streets, seeing, seeing people baptized in the spirit, saved, touched by God. I'm no more a loved son on that day than I am on the day that I sleep till 10, which doesn't happen very often, but praise God when it does. And, and, um, and, but you know what I'm saying? And I knew that this breakthrough was happening in my life years ago when I got, I got invited to this youth camp and, um, and it, it was, it was new territory for me. I'd never really spoken at an event like that. But God backed it up so powerfully. It was like, oh my heavens, man. And every night we saw stuff. We saw, we saw healings. The kids were prophesying. I mean, the Holy Spirit was moving in power. The first night, there was a bunch of healings that took place. Really cool ones, too. Like, like I watched a kid's shoulder blade. That, that was, this is one of my favorite testimonies. It was winged out. And it was like stuck out, like, like when you try to do it, but even more. Him, myself, and his youth pastor prayed for him, and I'm not kidding you. I watched this thing go, like, as we laid hands on it, I, I watched it go, whoop, and just flatten to his back. And we had, it was amazing. That was in Minnesota at this, like, preserve. It was so cool. And I went back to my room that night, and it was amazing is I realized that my identity, God had been doing a radical work in my identity as a son because I went back to my room and I didn't feel any more important. I just felt like a loved son. And I had this radical moment with God in that room these years ago. I, I went into that room and I was like, Oh God, thank you so much for what you did tonight. And you did it all. Like, it's all yours. Like, oh, I give it to you. And actually, I just, I, I put the behind me now. 
I give you the glory. I'm going to give the testimonies. But you understand, in it, the only way I know how to say it is I sort of like, we always flush bad things. Not flushed, but I sort of like flushed the awesome stuff. From my, I'm like, you get the glory. I'm putting that behind me. Thank you, God. You are so good. And, I'm, and then I just spent the next few minutes just like in a love interaction with God. And I remember that moment thinking, this is a breakthrough. I don't feel any more valuable after all those miracles tonight. And the cool thing about that is, when you don't see as many, you still feel the same. I had a student, my, I had a, a young man in my office one day, and he was working really hard to convince me but anyway, he was and that I don't know what I should make him a leader or something. And he was kind of just running on about all the things, you know, I, I see. More, and it was kind of like, I see more of this than other people. I see more, it was this kind of thing, you know, and I and I'd never heard myself say this before. But you know how God is in the moment. And I looked at him and I said, I said, you know, I don't think we're going to get any rewards for things God does. I'm like, I'm, I'm like, I love the testimonies. I love the miracles. But I actually don't think the jewels and the rewards, the gold, the silver, the precious jewels, right? The, the works of my life. I actually don't think that I'm going to have any jewels for how many healings I see. But I want, I'm hungry to see miracles more. How many are hungry to see miracles? And we see them, but they're increasing. And we will see more. And this is a house of miracles. But, but, but God does those things. Okay, moving on. So God has designed it so that we are loved before we can contribute. So that our identity is not based in our works, but in our conviction of his love for us. We love the life of a toddler when all they can do is make masses and sounds and run around, don't you? And you're like, and you know, people without kids, they're like, sometimes I hear somebody go, oh, kids, oh, you know, and I'm just like, you never had any, have you? Because, you know, it's like, you get this little kid and they're like, you're like, oh, don't touch that. Oh, put that up. Oh, that broke. Oh, you know, and, the, and then somehow we're like, this is amazing. We love it. Think about if we're that way, how much is our Heavenly Father in love with us as His children. Our love can almost not even be called love compared to what God's love looks like for us. So number one, the very first thing about understanding our identity in God is to recognize that you are in a family because you were born into it. You are a child of God because you were born a child. And you don't get to choose your family. Right? You're born. When you received Christ, you were born of God. Right? Let's look at John 3. 3 through 7.
Jesus replied, I assure you, unless someone is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. But how can anyone be born when he is old? Nicodemus asked him, can he enter his mother's womb a second time and be born? Jesus answered, I assure you, unless someone is born of the water and the spirit. (laughs) I love how he's like, can you do that? And the Lord just answers, I assure you, unless. He's just just reiterating what he just said. But you do have to be born again. Um, I assure you, unless someone is born of water and spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom. Whatever is born of the flesh is flesh. Whatever is born of the spirit is spirit. Do not be amazed that I told you that you must be born again. You must be born again. It says in 1 John 3, Behold, what kind of love the Father has given to us that we should be called the children of God. You know, many relate to God. Many are living in an identity crisis as believers because they relate to God as something other than a father. Or if he is a father, maybe he's not a kind, patient, loving father who is actually working on our behalf for our good. Do you realize that every single thing our Father asks of us, He doesn't need? If God asks something of someone and they disobey Him, God has no lack at that moment. He's still fulfilled. Now His heart longs for His child to walk in oneness with Him. But everything he asks of me is actually so that I will benefit. Isn't that amazing? Think about it. Every command. Everything. And you're like, when the Lord's like, hey, I want you to put this aside. You're like, oh. And you know, if we can see it from his perspective, then he's like, do you understand that I am setting you up for blessing? That you were born as my child? And every father wants his child to succeed. And everything God does, I love it when we, talk, when we teach on leadership, I love this verse. It, when, when he said, you all had earthly fathers who disciplined you for your good, but your heavenly father, or you had, you had earthly fathers who disciplined you as seemed best to them, but your earthly father, he disciplines you for your good. Isn't that true? Like our parents, they do the best they can. And some, some of us have had amazing parents. But sometimes it's like, hey, settle down. Why? Is that for your good? No, it's because I want a quieter house. It's what seems best to me right now. Right? Yes, you're learning and all that. But think about it. The Father, he's, anything he asks of us is for our good. So, a life... A life of, a life that's inconsistent with God's nature, especially in a believer's life, is actually an identity crisis. So John Piper says that sin is the thing we do when we're not satisfied with God. And that God is most pleased when we're most satisfied with Him. Do you know how to please God? Let him satisfy you in every way. Let him be your source. That's what satisfies him. That's what he loves. 
He loves you. He loves you. I remember growing up in church and feeling this draw of God on my life and making attempts to serve Him. Realize now that He was drawing me, but, you know, compromise or working, just even working hard in your own effort. But when God came, and really revealed himself to me, I remember the switch that clicked in my life. And it's when I found out this is what it is to be born again, to be born of the Spirit. You know, we need to understand because we're going to see many come. The Lord is bringing people in to Mountain Chapel. We've seen some people rededicating their lives recently to the Lord, yea, God. And they're, they're making their home here in this family. And we have to understand that God wants to bring all kinds of people into this house. All kinds of people. He, anyone who will come, He wants them. Because they're all people that He loves. And what we have to understand is this here. That salvation, being born again, actually creates a new identity. Not... The God of the second chance. He's the God of the new creation. You know what I'm saying? Like, second chance theology actually isn't kingdom. God doesn't say, Ben, I'm going to give you a second chance. Try again. You know what happens when you get a second chance? You've got a failure behind you that you're trying to make up for. When I was a kid, I was riding a skateboard in my garage. And I fell off my skateboard and my skateboard like shot out the garage door. And as chance would have it, the nose of my skateboard landed perfectly into one of the lights on the front of our Oldsmobile. And I, I think I didn't tell my dad about it. And so and maybe he wouldn't even notice that. And, um, and uh, my dad, though, I tell you. Like, I remember he's like, hey, son, what happened here? A little while later, I'm like, oh, oh, my skateboard. You know, I told him the story. You know what I realized about that? I had no money. I don't even know how much that light cost. There's no way. And what I could have done to my dad is, I'll make it up to you, dad. I'll pay for it. I'll replace it. And I understand that he could have me work it off. He... That's real. Those are good lessons. But, but he didn't have me do that. You know what he did? He forgave me. That was a good thing because that was a debt I actually couldn't pay. I had no money. You know, you ever have somebody do that to you? You know, like something happens and they're like, I'll pay you back. And you're going, I know you can't pay me back. Like, I, just let me forgive you. Like, you know, it, it's... and I. And I was thinking, like, that, that's what a second chance is. A second chance is trying to pay a debt that you never can pay. And, it, and if you can do that, that means you can earn love and you cannot. There's nothing you can do to earn love. We can build trust, but we cannot earn love. Love is given because you're born into the family of God. And so when we're talking about identity, 
the very first step that you really have to understand is that the Bible says that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. <laughs> when I was like in rebellion against God, I'm not saying I didn't know about God. I did know about God and I was rebelling knowingly against him. He was like, son, I love you. I'm calling you home. And then what happens? We come into the kingdom and then we, we were saved and it's amazing. And then at some point we start working for value. You're like, what happened? You couldn't save yourself. Remember, you were just happy to be loved and saved. Go back to that. We're like, well, let me, you love me now. Wait till, you sh- wait till I show you the stuff I can do. You're really going to love me then, God. No. No, I'm not. I'm not going to love you anymore. Do you realize that God actually can never love you more than he loves you right now? Because he loves you fully. Now, what transforms us in our expression, in other words, we call this walking in our identity, is that we begin to believe more and more what he says about us. Right? I love what Steve Backlund said when he was here. He said, we're saved when we believe on Jesus. We're transformed when we believe like Jesus. That's true. Do you know that, like, in our Christian walk, we can become stagnant. We can, we can plateau. And, and I realize, like, that's when we, we feel like, oh, I'm good enough. This is where I am. This is what I believe. This is how I do it. This is how I live my life. This is me. And we crystallize. And then what happens? Your joy is gone. Your wonder is gone. Your faith is diminished. You got faith for the things that you already walk in, but, but there's no more wonder and there's no more explosion of joy. And, then, and you know why? It's because we've stopped journeying and God keeps journeying. But walking in our identity means that every day of our entire lives and every step as we walk this earth from now until eternity, when we actually see him fully, because on that day, we're going to look at him because to look at him is to see who you are. What did he say? He says, if you've seen me, you've seen the father. Well, in many ways, if Christ is the prototype and the very first one born of God, to look at Christ is to see who you are created to be. And so we're going to look at him and we're going to be just like him. And so walking in our identity, in a confident identity, really starts with realizing that we were loved before we were born. But being born allows us, what did he say? He said, unless you're born again, you can't see the kingdom. The kingdom is all around you. How many had this experience? You, you were born again, born of the Spirit, and then you may hurt it all your life. But then all of a sudden, you're like, it's everywhere. The kingdom's everywhere. God's everywhere. He's speaking to me in the grocery store. The trees are greener. The sky is more blue. Like, 
How many have that experience? How many it's still going? You don't have to raise your hand, but it is. All right. So the work was finished at the cross. When you believed, you became his work. Here's the thing. Our identity is number one settled because you were born into this family. There's nothing you can do about it. And, in, and without looking at him, we can never know who we fully are. And I'll tell you some signs that you're beginning to walk in your identity. One, you become more and more comfortable in your own skin. You become less self-focused and instead you look out these windows and you're thinking about him and others. Upward and outwardly focused are signs of someone who are secure in their identity. And it, and if you're going, if you're going, oh, I, I need an upgrade on that. Hey, we're all taking an upgrade on that. I'm just saying these are the goals. I, I remember when um, somebody close to me, a mentor of mine, said he was sharing with me about a particularly hard season in his life. And he said, it was so stretching every day, I didn't know if I was going to make it. And, and he said, I didn't know. I didn't know. Every day. And he said, but every night I laid down on my bed, I laid my head on my pillow, and I just felt so loved by the Father. And I remember looking at him, and I know the love of God. Like, I, I know what it's like to be born again, and then every day I get off. I get off work, I get in my truck, and I'm like, Father, I know that relationship, you know? But when he said that to me, I was some years along in my journey. When he said that to me, I, I heard him say that, and I could feel that it was real. It was so tangible. And I knew, I thought, because when you go home and you lay your, your head on, on your pillow, that's when, that's when you know. That's when you know what you're feasting on. This isn't meant to be discouraging. But I'll tell you that I looked, I looked at him, this man who I respect, and I, I had this thought inside, I need that. I need that. Because if you can be in the most, this is identity. If you can be in the most stretching, challenging time of your life, but go, but one thing is not on the table, is love for me. He loves me so much. You're secure. You're secure. Do you know that, 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 that identity that comes from being loved in a family is irreplaceable? And the world is trying to say that you don't need two parents. You don't need a father. You don't need a father and a mother. You don't, you know, but I'll tell you what. Every kid that doesn't have a father in their life is looking for one. And no one told them to do that. When a kid doesn't have a man in his life, especially boys, but it's boys and girls, when they don't have a man in their life, man, they spend, they spend all their years looking, and sometimes people are adults, and they're still doing it. They're looking for the affirmation that you need from someone who says, I love you. Let me tell you who you are. I'm going to tell you who you are. I'm going to call out in you. What I see in you. I'm going to speak to you about your identity. Identity is something that is poured into you from 
from a father. Ultimately from the father. And maybe, I just want to say, like, one of the ways that you can tell about what you're believing about the Father as you walk with Him is what your inner world is like in certain situations. When you face challenges, if you feel alone, if you make a big mistake and you feel worthless or less or less in any way, what I'm telling you is there's a great opportunity because that is the very place that the Father loves to come and pour in His identity and speak to you in that place and say, I love you. You don't have to work yourself out of that. I'm not going to love you when you do better. Matter of fact, I'm going to help you do better, but I'm, I love you right now. That we're, we're, not, we're not loved because we're saved. We're saved because we were loved. <laughs> and that's settled forever. Would you stand? We just go ahead and put your hands out. And ministry team, if you can come to the front um, as I'm praying for folks. Um, and I just want to pray for you really quick. I'm really excited because I believe even that just beginning to scratch the surface of this subject today, I just can sense in the room the work of God. And there are upgrades. I'm just telling you, there are, there are upgrades right now being released. And, um, and so, Father, I thank you that our identity is settled in you, that we were actually born into your house. The Africans have a saying, and there's a tribe in Africa, they have a, they have a saying, and it's this, the son of a lion is also a lion. <laughs> I love the, sim- the powerful simplicity of that African culture. The son of a lion is also a lion. When you look at your father. You know, God didn't call us to be slaves. He called us to be children. What is he? He's the lion of the tribe of Judah. That means you're a lion. And I just declare over you royal identity. That there's a grace right now to behold the majesty of your father. And to realize You know, when a kid looks at their father, the kids look at their father and they go, they go, they're looking and they're studying and they're saying, I'm finding out about who I am. They don't even know they're doing I'm finding out who I am. When you look at your majestic father, you're finding out who you are. (laughs) Royal priesthood. Father, I thank you that even today I felt it, that God, there are places in our hearts that you're, that you're like, maybe like me, you said, I need that. That's what I need. Because I knew, if I, got, if I have that, I'm going to be all right. I'm going to be all right. If, if, my, if my being loved and accepted by my Heavenly Father, not in my religious understanding, but in my spiritual and emotional experience, 
know what I'm talking about. Then I'm going to be all right. I release that to you in the name of Jesus. Amen.